0: How will the James Bond franchise change after no time to die? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello everybody, welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comics, Bonds... Uh, and more uh i as always am dj Wildridge, and i am joined by roxy star stryer and today we have a very special guest uh the m- most recurring guest on only stupid answers Whoa. mr jason inman say hi jason hello is
1: it still true do i still hold the record 100 How about
0: yes gara beat me listen <laughs> that, no my garrett's close i think Mod garrett's close okay. but but the deal is that we typically have mod on for star wars stuff and there hasn't been star wars stuff in a minute to warrant mm-hmm. it, uh, mm-hmm. so um, you are well <laughs> ahead. You are well ahead. So, just in c- even though you've been on the show the, the most, in case any anybody's not familiar, where can they find you? What are they? What are you up to? Who are you?
1: Uh, I am a writer slash podcaster. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jawin. That's J A W I I N. It's the first two letters of all three of my names, Jason William Inman. Um, You can find me every week. I do a cool podcast with Ashley Victoria Robinson called Geek History Lesson, where we take one character, one construct, or one idea and teach you everything you need to know about it in about an hour. We've been going crazy with Bond uh in fact this week's episode was all about the daniel craig films like we did deep dives in all the daniel craig films we've done the previous bonds and for the next two weeks we're doing more bond episodes so like if you want if you want bond talk come over to geek history lesson
0: it's so interesting with bond because you kind of forget that like um because uh, uh, I was revisiting some stuff, and so so I, I watched Goldeneye probably about a year ago. But I I was mm-hmm. looking up some stuff, and I was reminded that like there's jokes about Bond being a dinosaur in Goldeneye, which is like yes. over 20 years old at this point, and it's just a reminder of like how much of a fixture this franchise has been for decades. Well, the first Bond book came out in 1953.
1: Oh my God. Didn't know
2: there was Bond books until this exact moment. Uh,
1: there are well there there's a difference with bond books so bond has been bond's first book was casino royale published in 1953 by ian fleming
2: um before a movie there was a book
1: yes
0: yeah there were several books
2: the movies are based on books
1: the movies are based on books
0: um Uh,
2: i was just testing you see if you listen to geek history
0: lesson you'd know this roxy yeah
2: that is is really new knowledge for me that is incredible but here's
1: the crazy thing. The James Bond franchise is unlike any other franchise in the world. And it's so confusing and bewitching that like, it's almost like you can't look away from it for my opinion, because like Ian Fleming wrote 14 novels. Now about halfway through the 14 novels, that's when Hollywood showed up and was like, we got to make movies on these. Hollywood only bought the rights to the Ian Fleming novels. So Eventually, because there's been 25 Bond films, there's only been 14 books. Mm-hmm. They started just making up their own material and being like, based on Ian Fleming's
2: Bond. Yep. But it was a, <laughs> a movie per book at first?
1: At first it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are uh, the,
2: 14 books that have corresponding movies.
1: Yes. And, and some of the movies only take the title yeah. and
0: have nothing to do with the book. And then you have stuff like Quantum of Solace that I think the title comes from a short yep. story, right?
1: Yes, yes, but it has nothing to do with the short story. Whereas, like, basically the early Bond films, the Sean Connery and a couple of the Roger Moores are almost one-for-one book-to-movie adaptations. And then later on, for some of the Bond books that the Broccoli... uh, They're produced by Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson, but the original rights were owned by uh, her father, uh, the Broccoli's. Um, They basically just started stealing titles or stealing like catchphrases and being like, yeah, you, a view to a kill that's a movie mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Let's, just do it he says it once in a novel sometime
0: i mean it's a good name let's, let's be honest it's, it's a, a good name. Name. it's a good name it's a good name but um, listen we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves we, we are getting, i'm sorry we're getting
1: no too yeah, it, this is what happens when bob, uh, i almost called him bob bond uh, bob, bob bond that's james's brother that's yeah, a spinoff uh, he's not a successful he's not
0: a successful
2: TJ, when you introduced this and you said today we're talking about bonds i it took everything in time to not be like and stocks
0: well listen in the chat hard. uh Leonard Kim says bonds. Now you got to go into a crypto NFT game. I will oh, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will Be not, Leonard Kim. Leonard Kim. So um, obviously, you're, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, thank you for joining us. Please, please give us five stars if you're listening to us on uh, iTunes. It really helps. Or it's what, what is it? Apple Podcasts now. Please, it's very helpful. If you're listening to this on Spotify every week, we ask you a question which you can answer on Spotify, which I will read here last week. Uh, The question was, who is the grossest Marvel villain? Um, Ray Rafael Alvarez said, Toad from X-Men is pretty nasty. Dude is just slapping people and grabbing handles with his tongue. He's the first to go once COVID hits Earth 616. Um, uh, Xavier Thomas says, this is a deep cut. Uh, Nomak from Blade 2. Just think about that slimy, moist death mouth opening up and going in for a smooch. (laughs) Also, the autopsy scene in that movie is still one of the grossest things ever john olmstead is a big boy myself and uh knowing how gross i can feel i'm going to go with blob plus i think the ultimate version eats ant-man uh i totally agree with the uh, blob being gross especially the version that eats ant-man uh john it sounds like you're being too hard on yourself uh, i'm just gonna throw that out there um uh, if you, uh, you should feel good about yourself um uh michael Wisong uh he is, gives what i think is probably the definitive answer and i should have brought up last week is mojo the x-men villain and that i think is the correct response to who is the gross just on every level who is the grossest marvel villain um it's hard to beat mojo jason do you have like off the top of your head i didn't even tell you with that i was going to read these these real quick do you have like a gross marvel villain like right off the dome
1: oh villain oh
0: i I have a gross hero go for it
1: uh do you guys know the x-men character maggot
2: Oh,
0: yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Is he anything
2: like what he sounds like?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, sort of.
1: (laughs) He has these two, like, worm creatures that can eat and process anything. And then they eventually reveal that they were actually his large and small intestines. Oh, I love it yeah and you were like "Ooh, you just made this character very gross although i've always said that if i ever get the x-men comic book titles or a chance to write an x-men comic book i would revamp maggot and make him cool
0: yeah i think i think there's a I, it's weird there's some weird potential in maggot and i also yep. like uh, yeah, yeah. i want to say when did maggot show up was it early 2000s late 90s It's like mid 2000s yeah. mid 2000s but it would pre grant morrison run right Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting that, like, there was gross X-Men where it was clear that, like, they're just kind of, like, running out of ideas. And then Grant Morrison came along, and he's like, e- but, honestly, there'd be a lot of gross X-Men. If we're just, you're getting random mutations, there'd be a lot of gross X-Men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I always heard the story, and this might be apocryphal as well, That that the only reason, like, Maggot was created was because in the 90s, they were going crazy with the X-Men action figures. They were making so many of them. And they were just immediately scooping characters out of the comic books. And the writers started challenging themselves to who could make the weirdest or strangest character that would still be made into an action figure. Did it like work? It? And, verbalized
2: out loud, do you think?
1: Uh, I've heard that in a couple of interviews. Now, I don't think they ever made a maggot action figure.
0: They beat it. They beat the system.
1: <laughs> I think that's the one that broke it. That's so. the one
0: that broke it. They're like, Wait, this is the one. This is a bridge too far. I would be surprised. Yeah. I mean – We'll Boy, this, like, this is way too far <laughs> this is way too far i'm surprised with like all the marvel legends so, i mean i think we got like an armadillo build a figure so i would be surprised if they didn't get to <laughs> maggot at some point um also of course if you want to listen to the full two-hour discussion of the show if you want to watch it live if you want to ask questions for the show you can do all of that at patreon.com slash only stupid answers and w- we are now going to go into what we are into this week but before we do that we are going to take a quick ad break All right. Now back to the show, Jason, what are yes. you into this week? I mean, I'm,
1: this is probably my most boring answer of the entire podcast. I I'm into squid games. I finished squid games this week I'm, and or squid was, game. I'm so
2: excited. just game.
1: Just, yep, just, one sorry. Game. I keep calling it squid games because I'm saying that's what me they're going to call Jason. season two. Why do I like Squid. Games. That?
2: Squid game don't know. is hard to say.
1: I think it's the S I think it's the, the semblance of the S. Um, Yes, yeah, Squid Game. I, I mean, I I watched it only because everybody was talking about it. And within the first 10 minutes of the first episode, I thought the character writing and work was so strong that, yes, we've seen all that stuff in Battle Royale and all these other places and Hunger Games and whatnot. But I think Squid Game beat them all with the amazing character work. It, it That show does an amazing job of making you care about every single character even the scumbags and the murderers that you meet on that show like you actually care and they are fully realized people and and yeah it's cool that all these people are in these weird games with the playstation symbols across their face but um it's uh i don't know i I was blown away with i i had not been that excited to like watch another episode in a long, probably since HBO's Watchmen.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I actually haven't watched this yet. But it was something Roxy wanted to discuss mm. uh, later, and it blows my. It, this feels like one of those things that that because it's a Korean show, correct? Mm-hmm. yep. It, this feels like one of those things that like I would have checked out because I heard it on the grapevine, and I'd have to convince everybody to go watch it. And it, it blows my mind that it, it is just taken off. Like everybody's watching, everybody knows about it, and I'm actually behind the curve. Roxy, what were your thoughts on Squid Game?
2: So two days ago, I had seen zero of Squid Game and everybody out there was like, you have to watch, you have to watch. And then by yesterday morning, I had finished Squid Game. So there are nine episodes there each an hour. And I did not go to sleep two nights ago because I stayed up and watched the entire thing. I just couldn't stop. It was so interesting and unique and twists, but not for the sake of like, oh, there's another twist. Just that made sense. And it it like spoke to my little competition loving heart, which, you know, I love things like Big Brother mm-hmm. and whatever. But then at the same time, it then also spoke like it was like Parasite and um, Big Brother and Hunger Games boned and had a kid. Mm-hmm. It was so good. It was just so good
0: i'm really excited to check it out i've heard uh really incredible things it definitely sounds like something up my alley and it makes me really happy that it's again it's doing so well like it, it, netflix could have had no idea that like this would blow up the way it has right
1: well i i, I have a theory about this because this is actually a netflix co-production oh, oh dang okay netflix, <laughs> netflix paid for half of this show um, I, I, forget the, uh, the director, the amazing writer, I shouldn't, I should know his name, but he's fantastic. Um, he kind of got a blank check from Netflix dang. and they were like, well, what do you want to make next? And apparently he'd been trying to get this script produced for 10 years. And so he was like, "I want to do Squid Game." And
2: I saw this and, on ins- everybody's Instagram story. Everybody, was yes. like don't give up on your dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But that's a true story. Like he, he'd apparently been trying to make this um, this thing for like ten years. And um, and so good for him. So I, I also like have seen a couple of my friends in marketing talk about that. Apparently, this was like the most front page Netflix thing ever. Like Netflix, like made sure everybody saw this when you came up. And, and if you've seen the trailer of Squid Game. It's very eye-catching. Yeah.
2: Why do you think that Netflix made everybody see this? Like I wouldn't watch this and necessarily think that people would love this.
1: I think they wanted to get their money back. I mean, I also sure. like I mean, it paid off. I think it was a gamble. Like they were definitely a gamble, but it it's going to be the most watched thing on Netflix of all time.
2: I know. You I know it definitely paid off. I just think mm-hmm. that somebody was really smart over there because I don't know that I necessarily would have put all of my eggs in this basket because it's so unique and weird.
1: Well, and I don't I- know. Like, you know, I just, sorry to interrupt you, Roxy. Um, <laughs> I would, I would say that like, if I was in marketing over there and I saw this show, I would champion the hell out of it because I'd be like, this is the next lost. This is like, this is going to blow up if, if people see it. Yeah. Um. So whoever did that,
0: good for them well i think it's also a good sign uh, about the way like you look at the um the way k-pop has kind of blown up internationally i think it's is a good sign for more international pro- you know the u.s kind of like uh cor- it felt like they cornered the market on global productions and it, i think it's cool that productions from other places are also uh getting in the game but it is also an example of when you talk about the marketing angle, of it it, it is interesting how netflix and and like other companies like like marvel like the mcu are able to control like yeah it's the most popular thing because you have the marketing apparatus to make it Mm -hmm. the most yeah. Like like mm-hmm. it sounds like Squid Game it gets there off of the merit of its own success but there are a lot of things where it's like well you, you can well, just, yeah, it's, you it's just a, throw the marketing dollars at it. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a one two punch like the, I have seen so many films and television shows and I, I bet you both all three of us could name shows that we were like this is so good but nobody watched it. I I I said that uh, I think DJ to you for years about the expanse. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if the Expanse like, is amazing, it, and obviously it, it, somebody's watching because yeah. it's on Amazon, but like n- not enough people.
1: <laughs> Nobody, not enough people are watching that show, and you're like, this is probably one of the most brilliant shows on television, yes. and nobody's watching it, nope. and it just goes to show you that like Squid Game is the same way. Like, if 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 the marketing is there, but like the the content is bad, then like it won't succeed. But if it's a one two punch, like boom, here we go.
0: Look yeah. at this Squid Game. So obviously, uh, both of you have watched the whole first season yeah without spoiling it for me are we getting is this a limited series is there going to be a season two is it set up for a season two
2: i feel as if there's no way there's not going to be a season two after this season jason
0: i
1: i agree just because of the success but i'm going to say this and i'd love to hear your answer to this roxy i i don't want there to be a season two I want it to be just like HBO Watchmen, but I know because this thing was huge, they're going to make a season two.
2: I think that with the final episode, there, there there, are things that I would like to see in a season two. I don't know that we needed this final episode, not the first half of the final episode, but the back half of the final episode, if there wasn't going to be a season two. I think we could have ended it a little earlier mm-hmm. if we weren't going to have a season two. DJ, I don't want to spoil anything for you because i know you're actually gonna watch this one and you're really 100%. gonna like it so yeah. that, that's the only thing i can really say but i do think that when you're a company and you care about your bottom line which all companies do and you have a success like this and it's possible to do a second season yeah and you're and you're not uh lindelof so you're you're gonna do that i think that the unlike watchman i think where they were like no we're this is perfect and we're gonna keep it like this I think Squid Game will probably have a season two and then probably a season three and then probably a season four I and mean, then maybe a season That's
1: five. a that's a great comparison, Roxy. I would say that DJs to give you an idea, the ending of Squid Game is is kind of like HBO Watchmen where it's like, yeah, you could continue that story. Mm-hmm. Like there is something there. But like, I guess for my preference, I'm kind of like, I don't want them to because yeah. I know what I got is so good that. I don't want to what I want. I don't want to muddy the waters.
0: You don't want to. What is it? A Big Little Lies season two? Is that a reference to a show that I didn't watch? But I feel like the season two I've, was forced and didn't it work. Well,
2: <laughs> love that show. Love season two. Don't know why everybody was up in arms over. Am I,
0: it. But am I talking about the right show, Roxy?
2: You are talking about the right show, but you're also talking to somebody who's on season eleven of The Walking Dead and loving every second of it still. So let me. Oh live, boy. You know, I I, I get- think- This is loyalty, the embodiment of loyalty. Who am I loyal to? Television. Thank you. Next question.
0: (laughs) Well, the show you're not loyal to transition is um, what if Marvel's what if (laughs)
2: that that is true? I'm not (laughs) loyal to this show
0: is uh, is what if we just got episode nine? For some reason, I thought there were going to be 10 episodes. Apparently, there were meant to be 10 episodes, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Episode nine, which is the finale. And, and, uh, Jason, we talked a little bit about, uh, early, before we started that you are caught up on the show and to catch you up on my thoughts. Cause I've been talking about it every week. Um, sure. I've loved it. Like, uh, episode one, I thought was fine. A little bit felt like a clip show episodes two and three sold on the premise, loved it. And then once we started, once party Thor showed up and then once uh new <laughs> old yeah. started showing yeah. up and things started becoming more serialized, I was like, no, this wasn't, this isn't what I signed up for. That said, I actually like this episode. I, I This is the episode where we, the Watcher... DJ, you are
2: playing with my emotions <laughs> with this show. I cannot keep up with how you feel.
0: Well, listen, I think a lot of the prompt... One of the things I liked about... Um, what if and the promise of it is is by this anthology um uh nature the anthology narrative allowed an opportunity for them to do marvel stories that actually had stakes like when doctor strange somebody goes to doctor strange and they're like hey if you keep doing this you're going to destroy reality he could just destroy reality. It's not like when you're watching Doctor Strange movie, it's like, well, everything's got to be fine because I know Shang-Chi's coming out next week. You
1: know what I mean? Like, Yes, Spider-Man is next month. Yeah, so it's like, happen. I know things are going to yeah, be fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. And once they raise the stakes to like, uh, the multiverse is going to be destroyed, it's like, well, now I I know things are going to be fine. That said, this is an example, I guess, of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Seeing all these characters we've spent we've seen episode to episode actually interact even though it was for a brief amount of time and work together it's like yeah i mean there's still that little like what a dopamine hit when this happens so like i wish marvel would be less formulaic but also i'm i guess i don't apparently i don't know uh so i i, I is it one of my favorite episodes i think episodes two and three are probably still my favorite of of the show so far that said i i liked it jason what did you think of this I thought it was fine i thought it
1: was okay i mean it, it has the it has the inherent problem of an anthology show where you know it's always going to be a coin toss which every episode which is fine and, and i and i i agree with you like um i thought some episodes were stronger i mean my favorite episode was the doctor strange episode mm-hmm. um like by by a million miles well and um, i gotta
0: say uh in, in the mcu not talking about doctor Strange in the mm-hmm. comics in the mcu quote unquote evil or bad or dark doctor strange infinitely more interesting than standard issue doctor strange like he's all the creatures he's ingested in the time every once in a while when he uses his abilities the different creatures will come out and he's obviously he's obviously much more conflicted it's like ah, this i'm really interested in this doctor strange i hope i we see more of them i guess
1: i don't know i disagree with that because i like dr i like the mcu doctor strange quite a bit um i you know it's it's fine it's all good um you know it's it's weird to me because i dj i thought you did nail it i like that that you could have the stakes of like blowing apart the multiverse and who cares i guess my whole thing is and this might be the reason why i was very um is okay with it is because i just don't like the mcu's version of ultron yeah I, i don't like i don't like james spader ultron and i and i didn't like the what if doing it an impression of james spader yeah. doing ultron yeah we talked and about this fact, last
0: week with uh with sal yeah. where it's like the only thing that made kind of ultron sort of work in age of ultron was james spader and so when you have like a bad james spader impression it's like mm. yeah. <laughs> Wait, so yeah
2: we have ultron again this week
0: yes he's our big bad he is our he was our he's big the, bad of the what he's is. the uh, seasoned villain yes
2: oh i don't this is why <laughs> Nope, you're not gonna get Roxy. Mm-mm, nope. Mm-mm. So, I'm not the Ultron in the MCU person either, Jason. I feel you.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. so you were saying about you were saying about Ultron, Jason. Well,
1: I was I was saying it's interesting that it, it was this case, and this is inherent in the Marvel universe. The vi- they have a villain problem.
0: Mm-hmm
1: the heroes are so much more compelling than any of the villains. And it's so funny because it's like, I feel like DC is the opposite. Like we're like a DC. It's like the villains are more interesting than the heroes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know? And so, yeah, I, I mean, I liked the idea of them all kind of teaming up and, 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 but the, the ultimate threat being Ultron, I kind of was like a letdown. I, I kind of felt like seeing another person gather in infinity stones was a movie I'd already seen before. Yes. And and but the thing of like teaming up all these alternate characters from alternate realities and alternate timelines that was interesting to me and it was so interesting enough that I was like this could have been a movie guys you could have made this a movie and I would have been totally in and in fact now I kind of wish you
2: had made why it why would you have liked it more if it was a movie um because i, I
1: some of the animation stuff I, I i i thought some of the animation style was not up to, I would say, the million dollar, billion dollar Marvel standards. So you yeah. mean a
2: live action movie?
1: Yes, that's what I would say. I would, I would want to see like Haley Atwell as Captain Carter would, I think, sell a billion dollars. I, I agree. I, and the fact, the fact that they didn't make an Agent Carter movie, I'm still angry about that. They were like, yeah, put it off on ABC television. Forget about it. Was it was
0: a good show, though. Um, I, I agree with you, but it was, it was a good show.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. But I don't know. Yeah. I, you know. Weirdly, I find. I, I found like all of the Disney plus shows to be about the same where I'm like, I get excited about them. There's an interesting idea. Okay. Oh, they're going to do something great. And then the final episode, I always feel as a letdown.
2: What's your favorite one?
0: Of the what-if uh, anthology? Or of the shows? No, no, of no.
2: He said, uh, he's, you said you were just talking about all of the Disney Plus shows, yeah. Yeah. your favorite ones. Uh,
1: actually, WandaVision is, is my favorite of all of them because it took chances. Mm-hmm. And I felt the place that it didn't take chances was the finale when it turned into a Marvel movie of just two people fighting.
0: Yeah, Roxy and I have talked about this a lot because we've been talking about all the shows where it's interesting how, obviously, you know, when it's a show, it's like the last episode, but it's kind of true of the movies as well. Once you get to that third yeah. act that it's like, I, I thought um, Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi really suffered from this. Black Widow suffered from, from this. It's like you get to the third act and it's like, <laughs> It, it just doesn't um, coalesce. And of course, the old saying is that if you have an act three problem, what you actually have is an act one problem. Yeah. And I think in the Marvel instance is more this, I, I feel like they made Iron Man and Iron Man it was infamous for having, it, they finished the script as they were shooting and yep. i think they took a lot of good lessons from iron man and that was a bad that was they were like well we can just do this well we can just like figure it out as we go and it's like but at this point especially now that you have movies and tv shows and multiverse and it's like you i don't think that you can either either each entity needs to be more discreet from the other ones or you need to have a bigger game plan because this episode actually suffers from so in Loki, we made it was a, it was a major plot point in the first episode that outside of their universes, the Infinity Stones don't are basically paperweights. And then in the last episode of What If, Ultron has the Infinity Stones, breaks through his reality, they work fine. Goes into other realities, they work fine, uh, which seems to contradict what we saw in Loki. Then in this episode, a Gamora, a version of Gamora that we've never seen before. The speculation is that she was part of a of a, there was a was supposed to be a tenth episode. She's a
1: deleted. Ep- she was a deleted episode,
0: which I hope we get in maybe season two, just yeah, to like yeah. circle back and like, oh, yeah, hey, well, here's what was going on there.
2: Why did they delete her episode? Any COVID apparently.
0: Uh, COVID uh, production. Yeah, they stuff. ran out of money. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so, but apparently in her universe, she created a machine that destroys Infinity Stones, which they use on Ultron. But <gasps> <gasps> twist, it only works on the Infinity Stones in her reality. It's like timeout like what is the either either that doesn't make any it, it, we literally yeah. just the episode before we established that it doesn't infinity stones apparently can work in any reality therefore your machine should work just fine which is only a problem i think because they're so hell-bent on everything being as connected as it is it's it, it, it's less like uh, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Jason. It is less like picking up, like if I decide, like right now for Marvel, I think I'm picking up Moon Knight and Thor. Um, and they're completely unrelated. It's less like that and more like, the, the MCU runs more like the current X-Men run where like literally every comic in it, whether it's X-Force or whether it's X-Men or whether it's Inferno is all part of the exact same story. And so if that doesn't work, if things start, falling apart and so it's like you either need to you either need to let things be more standalone or you need to have a better game plan because i think i think the it's starting to buckle under the pressure
1: i i agree with you and and it's funny I go back to like one of your other points you're talking about iron man one yeah and i actually iron man one is actually still one of my favorite mcu movies Agreed. and um they didn't have a script but they had an outline and so <laughs> all of the scenes were improv so they have this energy to them but the thing that iron man one has that they lost later on it's and it kills that third act problem you were talking about is that iron man one, you can tell that they were like, all right, we we have a plan, but iron man could bomb mm-hmm. and incredible hulks coming out later this summer. And yeah, we're going to be in it, but this could all bomb. So if this is the only iron man movie we ever make, let's go for broke. Let's end the movie. I'm Iron Man. Yeah. Destroy the secret identity. Which when I saw it in theaters, knocked my socks off. You're like, whoa, yeah, holy cow. Cause as soon as you say that, you're like, well, well, then what the hell is Iron Man 2? Yeah. I have no idea where you're going with this.
0: And neither did they. Um,
1: <laughs> and neither did they. And they they were like, let's have a race in Monte Carlo. And yeah. everybody's like, no, no, we don't want to race in Monte Carlo. Anyways, um, and 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 it's the, the move, the MCU movie to me that like completely like has what you're talking about this whole third act problem where it's just like, it's nothing but setting up the next thing, which I thought Loki season one was all about. Like the yeah. Indian Loki season one was like, like we got to tell you about Ant-Man three do 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 yeah. forget Loki, you know? <laughs> um But civil war, Captain America, civil war has like fantastic movie
0: yeah.
1: until the last act. And the last act is all like, we're not even going to show you Captain America, breaking these people out of prison. <laughs> we're not even going to show you what Tony Stark is doing next. Forget it you're going to watch the next movie. We don't care. (laughs) Like that's literally ending. Like they they do show us a montage and it fades and you're like, you didn't give me an ending. You just faded to the credits, you
0: know? <laughs> well, the, um, the one thing I'll give uh, Civil War, though, is I do like that it the one thing it subverts with the more Marvel formula is it sets up the, like, uh-oh, if these super soldiers get out. World-ending crisis. And I think the movie was smarter than I like, nah, fuck that. This movie's about well, Captain America and Iron Man yeah, beating the shit out of each other.
1: <laughs> and you're correct. And, and it's funny because, like, the thing we love about these Marvel movies, and it's now because we're 22, 23, how many down the road we yeah, are. bunch in um, we, we like that they're comic books, right? Like yeah. they, they have made them like comic books and they're all tied together. But the problem is, is that comic books come out monthly and these movies come out two, three times a year if we're lucky. Yeah. So you can only sustain the anticipation, the excitement for so long before people just like, yeah, I don't care. Whereas like with comic books, every month you're getting a dose. Every month, so like you're you don't have to wait too long for that cliffhanger, or you don't have to wait too long for all the Hickman X Men titles to like pay off the thing they just set up, yeah. Because every 30 days, I'm getting the next answer,
0: yeah. The and it's also a challenging too, because I mean, I, I think we've seen a uh, kind of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a test subject in you know, all of us covered or watched the cw superhero shows and then so, infinity yeah. crisis yeah. happened and we pat basically
2: yourself on the back everyone yeah pat,
0: pat ourselves <laughs> on the back and then we all i feel like it's safe <laughs> to say all of us basically used infinite cry infinity crisis as an excuse to be like well i guess i'm going to tap out now
1: you mean crisis on infinite Earth? crisis
0: on Infinite? Earth. thank you yeah, yeah, i thank mixed you. up my my mixed up my crises. there's so many infinite Crises. you're so fine, many fine. crises <laughs> <laughs> um, you all the right words they yeah, it's, they're cool. all in there it's in there the so um, word jumble And so, and and because at a certain point it becomes, granted, those were like 20 episodes a year, five shows, whatever. But I feel like Marvel, despite its incredible popularity, if it doesn't start thinking more about the way its formula works, it's becoming, the the fact that your standalone anthology show also connects to everything, like at a certain point it's going to be impenetrable impenetrable for anybody that didn't participate in it to to get involved and people are going to fall off because it's like if you got to watch all the things like and i think all it would take is something uh like like eternals bombing or something that people would be like well you know maybe i don't need to check out da, 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 everything da, da, da. yeah and let the,
1: the late great stan lee always said that every comic book is someone's first comic book yeah and so he was like you got to write it to where it's like it'll please the person that just picked it up and the person that has been the fan for years. And I think Marvel is forgetting that lesson where it's like, you got to make each of these movies would be beyond like the sequels. Like I'll give you like Iron Man two or Iron Man three connecting. Look, look, that's all, that's an agreement that we all understand. But I'm talking about like, there's certain movies where it's like, if I have to watch every Disney Plus show to understand the brand new movie that's coming out, like you've lost me. Right. Yeah. If it's, I'm out.
0: If with Doctor Strange two, it's not just watch Doctor Strange one. Like, no, you've got to watch Doctor Strange one, Infinity War, Endgame, Wandavision. It's like at a certain point, like I, I, yeah. I assume that movie's going to be fine. Probably Spider Man No Way Home. I, I think Doctor Strange two is going to be fine. Yeah. I just think uh, a couple years from now, five years from now, you know what I mean? Like the it's going to start uh, uh, fatigue is going to start setting in. I agree. i agree so let's talk about uh, a movie a franchise that fatigue has not set in uh we're going to talk about bond but before we (laughs) do that we're gonna take another quick little ad break all right everybody welcome back now we're gonna dive in to james bond this week um uh as of this recording is the week that no time to die is coming out none of us have seen it yet so no spoilers in the chat whatever uh no spoilers you won't be getting spoilers we won't be uh, spoiling for each other But I thought this was a good opportunity because we all know that um, this is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. Uh, Yes, we have said that every Daniel Craig Bond movie since I think Quantum of Solace, but this is officially the last uh, Daniel Craig Bond movie. So we know there's going to be a relaunch of some sort, a new Bond, a new direction. And I thought this was a good opportunity to discuss, you know, Jason's a big Bond fan, um, discuss where Bond could go in the future to possibly make it uh, keep it viable uh keep people interested because Roxy you've never seen a bond
2: I saw one bond
0: Which one bond did life. you watch
2: I saw Golden Eye cuz I played the video game growing up I actually <laughs> was a gamer mm-hmm. uh and so I saw that bond but I didn't see that bond until about 3 4 years ago Yes So it took me a long time that was the one I started with I hear that that was a silly move Uh, just because why was that weird to start, but it was... I think GoldenEye is a
0: solid... GoldenEye, I think, especially of the Pierce Brosnan era, I think GoldenEye is a good, is a a solid entry. Um,
2: It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was was fine. I watched the movie and was like, that was fine. Uh, And then I never watched another Bond movie again, so clearly it wasn't that impactful for me. I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't watch Bond movies because... There is no because. I just haven't seen them.
0: Mm-hmm. Just haven't seen them. Well, I do think, and Jason and I were talking about a little bit about this earlier, that um, you were saying um, Ashley had never, until you recently did a rewatch, had never seen a Bond movie. My wife has never seen a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Roxy, we were originally talking about possibly having the World Girls on, and they'd never seen a Bond movie. And you <laughs> might be noticing a pattern at this point. Uh, and so, a- again, it's just this idea of, where could got bond go what could bond do that that uh, how does it need to change because i think that's one of the things that have made this the franchise so enduring i think this is bond 25 am i right jason
1: it's the 25th bond film
0: after Whoa. after decades and decades so so yep. clearly it's doing some stuff right but one of the things it does well is it changes it evolves it adapts similar to a uh, very different Properties, but similar to Doctor Who, where like it can pivot, it can change, and that's what keeps it fresh. So, Jason, as a longtime Bond fan, um, what would you like to see with Bond Twenty Six or going forward that you think would would revitalize the franchise?
1: Well, they they actually made some really good steps in the Daniel Craig era yeah um because and and roxy this would be the movie that i would tell you to watch and i've heard from many people that this is their first bond film and it's the perfect one to get into is casino royale great which is daniel craig's first bond film is a reset of the entire franchise it is bond becoming the 007 yeah so um, daniel
2: craig is our current bond and casino yep. royale was his first movie which was like five movies ago or something yes yes okay and th- and, and, they s- and- early 2000s or when are we talking
1: 2006
0: yeah it was okay. post post dark night right oh no it was post batman begins it was right post where, where batman it, like...
1: begins. they were inspired they were inspired by batman begins and they were also inspired by the born movies yes uh and so they revamped the franchise things. Maybe yep. that's
2: uh, well time.
1: casino casino royale is without a doubt beyond being a bond film is just a good movie agreed it is like a solid movie and it's arguable it might be the best film of all 25
0: i uh, i'm i have not watched all 25 that is my inclination Mm -hmm. i i would also argue that it is the best of even though skyfall i really like skyfall i think it's the best of the daniel craig bonds i agree
1: i agree um so like that is to me like not only because it's like a reset of the franchise but like it is just such a solid film in every aspect and and one of the changes they made it in that is because Um, see the, 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 the love of the bond franchise is one it's, it's base. It is a male dream fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason why that is, is because Ian Fleming, uh, was an intelligence officer in world war II. his cousin, Christopher Lee. Yes. That Christopher Lee Saruman was a secret agent during world war II. And there have been many stipulations that Ian Fleming was writing about all the crazy adventures he thought his cousin had. And, and all these and, stories that his cousin had told him and probably so, so he,
0: probably did have let's if you've never if, anybody that doesn't know it do, takes some time just to see all the shenanigans christopher lee has gotten yep. up to in his life it is it was it's a very storied life
1: so Could, so the
2: franchise you know, started in this like a pre- what is the premise of of casino royale or like bond movie? it's it's a spy movie about a guy who's like there's something to do with a, a bond girl and he has to like rescue somebody or what what is what is the premise of a
0: bond movie? B- the, bond the, movies the, are well, spy movies.
1: <laughs> yes, they are very loose spy movies because they're very much you have to look at the idea like it is a male fantasy. Yeah. It is very much like that being a spy is is going to like go, gala events uh um you know uh honey potting the 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 baron's wife and getting the missile codes which is actually not what spycraft is at all a lot of spycraft is just like watching people's mail and following people yeah it's a lot of a lot of it's
0: a lot of work and incredibly stressful like it's it's like the worst of all of all the work
1: it's detail oriented (laughs) but uh, so so most most of the bond films are is that uh because he's an mi6 agent uh, which is the British intelligence agency? It's actually MI five, but they've made it MI six. That's um, like the MI- CIA. It's it's the British CIA. Yeah. Yes. Right. So he is an agent of MI six, and generally they learn of a terrorist event or a bad guy out in the world, and they send Bond out on a mission to go get the guy. Je- basically, to be honest with you, and this is one of the re- this is something the franchise co- forgot for a while. Bond is a very fancy assassin. Yes. Most of his missions are they're like, "Hey, Goldfinger, go kill him."
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that the Daniel Craig movies, especially Casino Royale, were really yep. smart to 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 uh put that in the forefront like they He's basically yep. a glorified thug, essentially. And he and, is a glorified thug. Yeah. And they make that clear cuz it's like he's blowing stuff up he's not subtle that's not the point of bond yep. movies that's not why that's not why any of us go to go see them and so it's good that those movies were like hey the spy stuff is yeah. is the low key and,
1: <laughs> in the middle of the franchise the roger moore movies and the pierce Brosnan movies kind of forgot that and they kind of made him a fancy sexy gentleman like they leaned into like oh no bond is gadgets yeah. who he beds in, who he sleeps with and all the puns and when you go back to the sean connery Bonds, They are. And these are the ones that are closer to the novels, although there are changes there. He does do that. Like he does sleep with women. He does say puns, but he's a mean dude. He's yeah. a guy that like will just shoot you if he gets the chance. And and that's what they brought back with Daniel Craig. But the change they made in Casino Rao is that Connery's bond doesn't have a heart. He is heartless, yeah. uh, which is what makes him a good killer. Daniel has Daniel Craigs Bond has a heart, and that's why they made a romance in the first Casino Royale, which I think actually humanized James Bond more than they ever intended. So, to answer your question, in a long way, Roxy, Casino Royale is basically um, MI6 learns that this criminal, Lashif, who is a terrorist, has like lost all his money basically on the stock market. And to survive said crash, he is putting up a I think it's like a $150 million poker game uh, um, in, in Montenegro. And so they have decided to send 007 into the game to basically make sure that he doesn't win all the money. Okay. So that this guy doesn't get his money back. And then it's all the complications and, and all like uh, the, the woman he falls in love with, Vesper Lind. Is basically the civilian banker who stakes MI6 in the game, who gives him the millions of dollars in the game, and and of course it creates all the kinds of conflict because Bond is like, well, I'm just going to bluff my way to the top, and Vesper's yeah. like, but that's a mil- that's fifty million dollars, you 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 idiot man, you know. Yeah.
0: Also, so, is, it's is worth he
2: pointing really out. really Good at things too, like is he just yes. like he's just can do poker and can do all the things. Yeah, Casino well, Royale was
0: he, big when yeah. uh, Texas Hold'em was big. That was uh, the when yes. <laughs> Texas Hold'em in, was a thing
1: in. In the book, it's Baccarat, which is not a very well played game in in America. Um, So they made it because they made it Texas Hold'em. No, so Bond is good. That's the thing about Bond is that and that's why they describe him as Bond is a bulldozer or a blunt instrument because he will he will figure out a solution no matter what. He will not fail. He is the secret agent who will die 17 times over as long as Britain is saved.
0: Yeah. And so (laughs) the other good thing about Casino Royale is it is the first blockbuster that really put um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen and Ava Green into like the popular consciousness. And so it will always have my heart for for that alone because both of them are really excellent movie and I really like those actors a lot. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm.
2: I like Ava Green so much. Yes. I like with them too, but yeah. I really like Ava Green.
0: Ava Green's uh,
1: is, is great in that movie. Yeah,
2: she's so fantastic. So, does she have a, an actual role. Like I, yes. I only ask that because as somebody who hasn't seen the movies, I always hear like the girls don't have real roles or whatever it is. Yeah, she's it, a, she's an actual character. They, in
0: it. Yeah, because they set her up as um, uh, she is pre any in, in this because the more than any other Bond movie, Casino Royale is is a, is a, basically a reboot. Um, the the other Bond movies and Jason, you can correct me if I'm are are loosely there's a loose continuity, especially from Bond to Bond, like Sean Connery to Roger Moore, to you know. Um, and, but this was a kind of a hard reboot, and so this is his only. I mean, they tried to do this differently in Spectre, but she was kind of like his only real love, and um, yeah. so she's probably one of one of if not the most important figure outside of Bond in the Craig era because her influence it, it had there's ramifications. All the way up to I'm gonna assume even No Time to Die. <laughs> in
1: in the books in the books, uh, Vesper Lind is considered to be Bond's first love, and I think correctly when they rebooted this franchise, they did the same thing. Like Vesper, she is very important to James. Yeah. Um. And and she, in in my opinion, is the best Bond girl that uh, Daniel Craig has had. She's mm-hmm. the best female character. And now I haven't again No Time to Die might change my mind. Yeah. Um. Uh, but. So far, I think she's the best. She has the best role. She's the best actress. Um, And there are other good ones in Daniel Craig's run, too.
2: In the way that there's multiple Bonds, then there are multiple Vesper Lins.
1: So far in the movie franchise, no. There's only one. Because here's the weird... And is what I told you about. The Bond franchise is so weird. Because there is a continuity and there's not. Yeah. And... It's basically up to you to decide whether are all these movies connected or are they not because there's the big fan theory that this is one guy that's going through all these movies. There's the other fan theory that it's a code name.
0: Yeah, that all um, these guys are different. That James, not only is 007 a code, but James Bond is a code James name. James
1: Bond is a code name. That's Which, not their real names.
0: the only, the, I gotta be honest with you, that's that theory is the only way I can make sense of certain things in Skyfall. Because Skyfall really? calls back to the other movies, even though like Daniel Craig's Bond should be a hard reboot. And it's like, wait a second, what? Because they pull out, it's the DB5 that they pull out, right? And it's like, Yeah, They do, they do either, either it's supposed to be like an in-joke, but in some ways it feels like they're implying that like Goldfinger happened and and it's like, what?
1: (laughs) And also in Skyfall, he, they go to his childhood home. Yeah. And so they, and they show you his parents' graves and his parents' last names are Bond. And so you're like, oh, the way, this is the way I look at it. I look at it as from Dr. No, which is Sean Connery's first film, the first James Bond film to License to Kill, which is, is the same guy. Mm-hmm. So Timothy, so, so Sean Connery, George Lazenby, uh, Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton are all the same guy. Then I think when Pierce Brosnan starts, we're in a brand new franchise because yeah. they're, they don't really reference the old movies. They don't really talk about different stuff. Um, you know, so like I feel he's his own franchise. And then I think when Daniel Craig restarted, it's another reboot. So like, that's kind of the way I look at it as I don't see them all as one guy. Now, I have seen some fans do some interesting putting Daniel Craig's movies into the timeline of where they think they happen. But for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of it's, they're not connected. Don't connect any of them. Yeah. They're all separate with the, with the exception of the Daniel Craig movies.
0: Well, and even then the Daniel Craig movies, other than um, quantum of solace is a pretty, I mean, well, I guess they tried to tie it all together with specter. So yeah, that's true, but
1: well, I I've think, heard that no time to die connects quite a bit to specter.
0: Um. So w- I th- other than the Daniel Craig movies, and I think one of the things that has helped Bond last so much is that the continuity does, even between Sean yep. Connery movies and stuff like that. Like, how many Blofelds do we have? Like, three or four different There's Blofelds? Like four Blofelds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, and Roxy Blofeld is I, I sort of like Bond's big bad it, it, to the degree that he has one.
2: Blowfeld.
0: Mm. Blowfeld. Yeah, it was a different time. Um, so uh, the and I think that's something that the Marvel movies are not only could learn from, but are are uniquely suited to benefit from since they have so many different characters. If they allowed, like, listen, Shang Chi can just be his own thing. He doesn't need to be connected to everything. Like, he's part of the same world. If he gets to be in an Avengers movie, great. But he can just be his own thing. Um, I, I think that's that's what's helped Bond last so long Yes, and what could help um, uh, other franchises that's, as well. Because the, yes, the continuity are,
1: matters-ish. <laughs> well, yeah, and but that's, that's the other thing that's allowed Bond to survive is that there is a lot of variety. Even though these are spy movies, like some of them are very serious. Yeah. Some of them are very funny. Some of them are very of the times. Like that's the other thing that's allowed Bond to survive is that even in the 60s, and they've kept this up, Bond has sort of always been aware of the times and the culture. And it's highlighted that Um, Thunderball in 1965 was like one of the first movies to shoot all these underwater sequences. Um, So there's like the entire climax of the movie is underwater. It makes the movie very boring to modern standards. (laughs) But at the time, people were like, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. Um, Casino Royale is, has a major action sequence that is all about parkour. Yeah. It's incredible. It is parkouring all over this giant skyscraper, and parkour. We remember two thousand six was very big at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's another Bond movie that's all about that they they do like surfing. They're all about surfing. So like Bond has always been like kind of aware of the times, and I think that has allowed it to adapt
0: and change as well the other cool thing that i just want to touch on the part of that parkour sequence is also what every good action sequence should do is it's also character driven that scene tells you a lot about daniel craig's bond and the way that he has to resolve because he's not as skilled um, as the person he's chasing so the solution he he, solutions he comes up with tells you a lot about his bond in a very short amount of time um so with all that in mind we do have some discord questions that i do want to get to with all that in mind is there one thing if you had to pick like one thing you'd like to see them them speaking of like being in touch with the times something that you think would help elevate or or, or make the next bond relevant
1: well one i have this pitch out there that everybody keeps talking about idris elba as bond yes and so to me i think it would be completely foolish if uh, the Broccoli's and MGM don't make at least one Idris Elba, James Bond movie, because it would make a billion dollars. I know he's a little bit older. I think he's the same age or older than Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um. So do one, make your billion dollars at a Bond movie. And that way you get to check it off. We already, ha- we also have another bond that was only in one movie. George so it's George Lazenby. Yeah. And Timothy Dalton was only in two. So um, that's not unheard of. Um, I honestly think I would turn the dial back a little bit from daniel craig the daniel craig movies are very serious and they're very dramatic and i would turn the dial just a hair back to make them a little bit more humorous to make them a little bit more fun um because i think they've lost the fun a little bit like they everything is like the world is crumbling down the terrorists are around and i'm so dour and even connery for being a very serious bond would have fun sometimes and i actually think they should take a little bit of inspiration from kingsman and 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 go back to being a little bit cooler yeah yeah so that's where i want i that's where i i i I, I want the franchise to do that but the problem now is is that the the solution is is that to make bond contemporary in our in our modern world he has to start taking on some governments Mm -hmm. and he has to start taking on like giant corporations yeah um because like as we all know they're the true enemies right now
0: yeah um the cold war stuff isn't going to cut it anymore
1: no, the Cold War. So, so you either have to start doing that to make him still relevant or you have to like bop him back to the period and make him a 1960s period.
0: There's so, there's merit in that. I, I didn't there think about that until that. just now. It's like, oh, that there's actually could that. be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. To send Bond back to where he's fighting the USSR and he's in the 60s.
0: So Roxy, as somebody who's only seen one Bond movie, is there something they could do that would make you be like, okay, I'm on board with this, whatever this next Bond is?
2: I don't know what it is that makes me so not on board because like, I love the Bourne movies and I love John Wick and I love, I'm just naming things that without having seen bonds feel like they would be in a similar category. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause anytime somebody says like there bond should be a woman. I-, I don't know that that would make me start watching bond. Like,
0: yeah.
2: I don't think that's why I'm not watching. Uh, so I-, I guess if people were like, this is the greatest movie ever, maybe I would go see it. But I feel very far behind, kind of like when you guys were talking about the comic book movies like and how it's if you don't watch Doctor Strange 1 and then also all the Spider-Man movies and then Infinity and then Endgame, whatever, then you can't see the next movie. And if you have to watch all the TV shows, I'm caught up on all of that. So you can just keep doing those things. But with Bond, I'm always just like, so maybe the next hard reboot, I would just watch it. Yeah. And hope that it was okay.
0: And I think Jason Idris,
2: you- Idris would help. He's well, very good, though. and I,
0: and I just looked at I just looked it up. Uh, Daniel Craig is fifty three. Idris Elba is forty nine, which is a little late to start. Oh wow! That said, that said, I mean, he's doing fast movies. He did the Suicide Squad, like yeah. he's up, he's he is physically most, up to the challenge.
1: Most of most of the actors were cast around thirty five yeah. or late thirties, and they generally play Bond until they're about fifty or forty five. Yeah. So like that's the, like the range of Bond.
0: Yeah, but and and again, but, and, yeah, he's. He's in the range. He's in He's in the range. And again, the, the, he's fit enough to do it. He's. He, I don't yep. know that it, you could, I think you're right. I don't know if it'd be a 10 year stint, but, uh, or however long. I also don't know if he would want to do it for 10 years. Like, yes. but like everybody talks about it. So I'm just like, man, these producers He'd are be good. idiots if they don't at least do one. He'd be a good fit he'd be a good fit so we have uh i and i will say maybe jason would agree with this i will say roxy if you are curious i do think you could you could check out casino royale and if you like casino royale jump to skyfall and then if you liked both of those then you could kind of like figure it out from there if you wanted to continue
1: yeah i i roxy i would honestly like i would i think Casino Royale will change your mind on Bond. because, And I know this because it did the same for Ashley,
0: yeah. Um, who was not you a Bond I fan. I
2: like it. You guys think that yeah. I, I might yeah. genuinely actually well, like it. Because it's just a good
0: yeah, movie. It's not just a good Bond. Yeah. It's a good movie.
1: Yeah, Bond is like incidental to that movie. Like, like, you don't have to know anything about Bond. Like, it is just a solid movie yeah. all around. Um, and then, yeah, if okay. you want to continue from there, I just be like, yeah, just like, that's the great thing about the bond films is, is you can kind of just be like, well, this one looks interesting. And every once in a while, you're going to get a clunker. Yeah. Uh, but every once in a while, you're going to discover something great. Like my favorite bond film is Goldfinger, mm, And classic. it is Sean Connery's third bond film. It is the one that set the standard of the gadgets and the women and all this stuff like that. But it has such as a tone and a feeling of it that I have like never seen from any other movie. It's what made me love James Bond, but you have to watch it. With, it was made in 1964. Yeah, and and there are some very misogynistic things in it, and it's a weird time capsule movie to 1964. But if you can get past that,
2: tell though for me because I know why you know.
1: (laughs) 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 I know, I know, I know. But I, I, you know, but the other thing I will say is like it's hard to watch any movie. Pre nineteen ninety and so Nazi just rampant misogyny. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's true. And it's
2: like, what movie am I watching anymore that doesn't have yeah. that disclaimer in yeah. front of it? If it's not misogyny, it's something else that I'm not loving. Look, so you like- know, yeah.
1: and, and I say that as a Bond fan who like I like I know it is very misogynistic. I know, yeah. and and I always like I always tell people that I'm like, hey, there are some good Bond stuff like in the sixties and seventies, but you got to know that like. There are some weird real women roles in those movies that are just like pointless that they're they're basically paper models walking through the movie. Yeah.
0: So <sighs> Okay. <laughs> with, with that said, we've got some questions here. They're all they're all Bond centric. So, so Roxy, I don't, I don't know. Jump in if if you have an if you have an opinion. Uh, we'll try and get through these these quick. Leonard Kim says, uh, as far as as evolving the character, he says I, I could be wrong, but I think correctly choosing the next Bond is enough to continue the appeal to new audiences. Personally, as long as I like the new James Bond and there's a continued emphasis on the spy aspect of Bond, I'm all in. Um, so, as far as the questions go, we've got. Um, uh, Finn, you asked, uh, favorite, uh, James Bond movie. Jason, you already answered that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jake, uh, for me, it's Casino Royale. It's, uh, I think um, my second would be Casino Royale. Yeah. I think the, because, yeah. you know, everybody, the, everybody has their bond. So I grew up, mm-hmm. and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of guys, uh, their first introduction to Bond is whoever their dad's bond was. So, of course, the bond I grew up with was the Roger Moore bond because that was my dad's bond because that's the bond he grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jake Hefner asks, best Bond intro song? So, Roxy, you may be aware of this. Every Bond movie has an intro uh, intro song. It's a it's a part of the franchise. The
2: one Chris Cornell did. Yes. And the one Madonna did.
0: Yes. And Adele did Skyfall's right?
2: I, I think, don't know. I just, Adele
1: I did, did Skyfall. Think, uh, I think. Could, I could almost name every one of
0: them. I like. Uh, so, didn't I,
2: Madonna and Chris Cornell do the. the yes. Two? Chris Cornell
0: yeah. did Casino Royale. Uh, Madonna Did Die Another Day, which actually is one of my least favorite Bond songs. So so if, if favorite, I just like her favorite Bond but, song. I love Madonna too. Yeah. Favorite Bond song.
1: Uh I mean for me, it's 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 for me, it's actually You Only Live Twice. Okay. Um I guess not Nancy Sinatra, but I think weirdly, the the best one of all, it it's it's I think it might be a tie between Skyfall or uh nobody does it better which is from the spy love me 1977
0: Cool I think my I do not have the encyclopedia uh, encyclopedic mm-hmm. knowledge of the Bond songs I the, the one that like it's the one that gets radio play, which is, which is "Live and Let Die" by Paul McCartney. Uh, Paul McCartney, yeah, one of the
1: like, weirdest Bond songs. It's it's, good, it's a
0: weird one, but it's like I I I really like when uh, he puts
1: the reggae in there. That's the point where I'm like, what? yeah, it's like, wait, what's happening right <laughs> now?
0: But uh, yeah. but I also am a big They're proponent. Live and
1: let
2: die. Yeah,
0: yeah. Th- th- that part that's a Bond song is, ama- is amazing, and uh, and uh, I also oh. like it. I I like it more when the British musicians do the intros. I think it like sure, sure, it, it fits better. Um, I'm a
1: fan of rocking Bond songs. They got to have an edge to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Chris Cornell.
0: Boom. Uh, Roxy, I think you, you might have an opinion on this one. Brenda, if we ever got a bi, gay, slash, lady bond, which guy should be a bond boy? So if we were in a bond situation where instead of a bond girl, we got a bond boy... Mm. what roxy let's start with you who who would be a good bond boy well,
2: okay give me some like like uh, you've got to be cute but like this is somebody that's the love interest right
0: it's it's like a, like
2: a, a b character you can't you have to be the beta right you can't be the alpha
0: yes and it's okay. and it's and the bond girls are uh known for like like so holly berry's been a bond girl um what are some other classic uh uh, uh bond girls jason the but just um, like raw uh, sex appeal uh, uh,
1: Oh boy um what, I, I mean I can't like the, the I can't pull the knaves off of the top of my head um the woman who was the lead of the Avengers of the Bond girl in Goldfinger um the the woman who was oh, Dr. I Finn I interviewed was-
2: one I interviewed um Oh, um, she's so great. Uh fuck. Bumka Johnson is a no, Bond girl. Yeah. No, she was in Gold Dye. No, no, who is it? She's she was in I the New method. Uh, and don't um, in
0: the in the new movie, Anna DeArmas is one of the new new Bond girls. So you get the idea like like sexy as hell. So for me, Roxy, well, you're trying to remember that name. Wedding
2: for, Crashers.
0: Oh, oh, Jane Seymour. Jane, Jane, Jane Seymour. Classic. I love she's her.
1: Sh- she's in Live and Let Die. Yeah. Oh.
2: It's all coming. Full
0: and day. um um and I think you just mentioned this, uh, Jason. But I'm coming the actress who played Emma Peel in the original Avengers show. Yeah, uh, she Diana Rig. Diana Rigg. Oh yeah. Um, who's stunning? She was also in Game of Thrones. Uh, um,
1: Honor Blackman is the actress that I was talking about. Oh, okay, just, uh, she just recently passed away. She's a Bond girl. Uh, can I throw out a real quick pitch? Because I think he would ah. be an awesome Bond boy. Yes. I also, I have also, by the way, have no problem with a male James Bond having a Bond boy because if you don't think that James Bond has boned a dude to get the <laughs> missile. Code, Codes, then you don't know james bond
0: yeah um i would also argue if he... you think he's not he's boned a dude and didn't enjoy it i think you're not thinking there you james go boned. yeah okay,
1: that too that too yeah. he does not he he's all about the pleasure yeah um i would throw out timothy chalamet
0: yes as a bond boy yeah i think timothy chalamet i'm gonna be this is probably gonna throw people for a loop but I actually think Henry Cavill would make a really good Bond boy. I know people like throw his name out for Bond. I actually think he might be better as a Bond boy. You, do you, you know he was the runner
1: up for da-
0: Bond for Daniel Craig. That right? doesn't surprise me. I just think, I he just was the think he's, such a, he's such a handsome boy. Yep. I think that they, he's definitely works to eye candy. Another actor that yep. I think of, they get a lot of eye candy mileage out of, incredibly talented actor, but they definitely play up the eye candy angle is uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen from Watchmen sure, yeah. and from Candyman because there's not a thing that boy's been in that they don't make him take his shirt off. <laughs>
1: that's right that's
2: right what about um anthony ramos uh from uh in the heights
0: yes great sure cute.
2: he's really cute i like him a lot what about uh, harry styles
0: I, of course <laughs> why not he'd
2: be really cute too yeah. thanks for asking dj i like this question
0: yeah i think <laughs> let's let's get the let's get them bond boys in there uh i think this might be um our last one. Oh no let's do these two so uh um jason best or worst bond gadget
1: oh god that's tough um i mean for me the best bond gadget is the simple one it is the shoe with the knife in yeah. it so he had a shoe in from russia with love that had a knife pop out the top and that's how he killed the guy that's how he wins the movie um
2: you he kicks him
1: yeah he he basically like gets them in the jugular basically is how how it works Um, uh, so it's very simple i also you can't go wrong with the the ejector seat and the db5 the Aston martin db5 yeah i think that'd be my Um, choice
0: is just just the db5 because of all the things it does
1: the stupidest one In my opinion, you cannot – for me, it's the invisible car from Die Another Day. The fact that the car has a cloaking device is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also like – Is he
2: Wonder Woman? What (laughs) happened?
1: Yeah, he. so they invented a car in Die Another Day in the last Pierce Brosnan movie that could somehow turn completely invisible, and they never explained it.
0: Yeah, I'm also. I'd also like to throw out there. Um, I think it's an Octopussy. He has like an alligator suit that he yes, like sneaks off. Yeah, yeah, that, the alligator suit. And the, I don't. I personally think the seagull. He has a scuba suit with like the seagull on top. It's like yeah, but seagulls don't like. It's not like they sw- they fly and then they land. That's from on the, on the opening water. of
1: Goldfinger, my friend, which I actually think is quite funny. So <laughs> yeah, anyway.
0: But it just it's as far as like uh, I don't know. Um, so um, and when the Aston Martin DB5 is from Goldfinger too, correct?
1: That's where the first one that started it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So final one, if you could pick one movie slash movie franchise, this is from Joey, to get the Bond-style opening song treatment, what would it be? So what franchise deserves to have uh, like an opening uh, song? Actually, it's funny because Deadpool 2 homaged it, and they they gave themselves like a Bond-style opening song. You know, weirdly, I was going to say the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Like, I actually like... I like
1: opening credit sequences. I think it's a lost art in television Mm -hmm. and movies. And I kind of don't like that our society and like executives and producers have just been like, no, 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 no. People can't sit there for three minutes and listen to a song and and watch like art and images and enjoy the people that put hard work Mm -hmm. into this thing and created this piece of art i they're like no we can't stand for three minutes so like just splash a thing up for two seconds and move on yeah um i think game of thrones proved that like opening title sequences are great i I don't know i would love to see that for the marvel movies even if they were just all orchestral yeah like if you just got like sort of the opening suite with the like the credits like i i think it would be cool
0: yeah i think you could do something really compelling with that i think roxy kirkman didn't black widow do something similar with the the thing it was, we were a little into the movie, but it was really cool. Yeah, it was crazy dark though. It wasn't a, the the Roxy. Do you uh, obviously you're not as familiar with the Bond opening things, but if there is is there a movie franchise that you think would benefit from like that sort of like opening song title credit sequence?
2: Yeah, I think the Fantastic Beast movies because I can't mm. stand them, and so maybe it would <laughs> give me something to look at.
0: Yeah, I think for me, and I think because the, the closest we got to to another Bond style franchise, and of course it kind of moved off in a different direction and superhero movies became their own genre is the Batman movies. Because there was a time going from Tim mm. Burton to the Joel Schumacher movies where Batman felt like it was trying to do like a bomb thing where we can switch out the guy. There's a loose continuity, but we're not really worried about it. And it felt like they were kind of pattering the franchise off of that before Batman begins in the hard reboot. Now all that stuff. And I feel like Batman movies could really, because I think there's some tonal, Um, uh, similarities between the two franchises I think Batman movies could really have like do something in the vein of if you you all remember from the Batman animated series the title cards they had but like a whole title sequence like that with a song I think it would be really cool Hmm.
2: the fast movies too
0: the fast movies more than any other franchise yep I love those
1: movies. All right. Although, would every song just be like family?
0: Yeah, family. It'd probably be about family, and it'd probably be some <laughs> That's family. Yeah. That's so good. It'd probably be some sort of like, uh, um, uh, you know, like Nickelback style rock from the early oh, aughts. Boy. Like it would be He's all, all, all about that kind about of the like, family. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Even I, when we're driving I was cars, picturing like a Sesame Street version of family, like. Family. family you know
0: so those are our thoughts on the bond franchise let us know wherever you can find us what you think about all that speaking of wherever you can find us jason where can the people find you what should they be looking out for
1: uh first of all thanks for having me uh dj and roxy always a pleasure uh you can find me on twitter instagram at jawman And you can come listen to my podcast, Geek History Lesson. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere. We're closing in on 400 episodes, and we have lots more Bond talk, including uh, we're going to do a full No Time to Die review with a very special guest. uh, Daniel Craig. So that's going to be good. I wish. (laughs) Uh, No. A very funny comedian, actually, is who we're going to have as a special guest. So... um, you know, uh, go check that out. And uh, if you are curious about any of the comic books I've written or any of the books I've written, you can get assigned copies at jasoninman.com slash store. Uh, they are perfect stocking stuffers.
0: Boom. So take a look at that. Roxy, where can everybody find you?
2: Everywhere at Roxy Stryer.
0: And as always, you can find this show everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers, but on Twitter
2: they out the valves from stupid
0: and you can find me at dj talks trash there was an update on hellbent we're dealing with some shipping stuff but we're getting it sorted out so if you've contributed that or you're interested in that you can go um to hellbent.com hellbentcomicbook.com or i mean if you contributed it's in your inbox so take a look for that um, and we will see <laughs> and
1: well, i did i did it's in my inbox boom it's
0: it. in his inbox so it's there <laughs> you can go see it that is it for us this week but if you want to check out the full discussion where we talk about new movies like lamb uh the last duel jason's going to to talk about the tender bar we're going to talk about the potential agatha harkness show on disney plus and a bunch of other cool stuff you can check that out by going to patreon.com slash only stupid answers not only do our patrons help keep the lights on and keep this show going but they are able to watch episodes like this live and listen to the full two hour episodes you're only getting half the show if you are just listening to the free episode every week so please do yourself a favor and go to patreon.com slash only stupid answers and join our wonderful community we're happy to have you all right take care everybody and we'll see you next week bye